So my name is Chris Kettle. I'm a Brit in origin. I'm a tropical ecologist and conservation geneticist who applies molecular ecological approaches to understand plant reproductive ecology. I started my career rather unusually from an applied practical forestry perspective. I worked as a forester and a tree surgeon when I was much younger. And then I went on to study ecology at the University of Edinburgh and then did a PhD at the University of Edinburgh and a postdoc at Aberdeen and eventually a year after into my postdoc I moved to Switzerland and I've been now in ETH Zurich for the last 10 years where I'm a group leader in applied molecular ecology. My name is Sasha Ismail and I um, did my PhD here at ETH Zurich together with Chris Kettle. After my PhD I went to Berlin to the Botanical Gardens for a postdoc position and then I went on to, for a postdoctoral position at the University of Aberdeen, where I still hold an honorary postdoc fellow. And at the same time, I now start to work at the Zurich Basel Plant Science Center to work on some public engagement with plant sciences. In our paper, we estimate effective seed dispersal in Dysoxylum molybaricum. The common name is Indian white cedar. And this species is dispersed by the Malabar grey hornbill, a rather small hornbill species. And we estimated this effective seed dispersal across a huge landscape of 216 square kilometers. There are similar studies like that, but normally they worked at the scale of hundreds of uh, hectares. But we covered 260,000 hectares. And the clue is that although we worked with nuclear markers and although we had no um, maternal tissue, we could still narrow down the minimum and maximum estimates of seed dispersal to show that there's hardly any seed dispersal across the forest fragments we were investigating. That means that even if the main dispersal is still present, seed dispersal can be very limited in heavy altered um, landscapes. And that means when there is ongoing timber extractions, the uh, tree species will not recolonize spontaneously. I think one of the important points to consider in this paper is that actually it's dealing with a rather cryptic process. So studying seed dispersal may seem trivial in reality. It's not at all. It's actually very difficult to track the movement of seeds over large distances. If you think about the different vectors that are involved, whether it be wind or animal dispersal agents, these processes are very hard to observe. You can't follow seeds with your binoculars. You can't follow seeds with radio tracking devices. And what this paper shows very effectively is there are very effective molecular methods that can be applied even in very large spatial scales to get a, a very clear and uh, ecologically relevant understanding of the patterns of seed dispersal in real landscapes which have been modified by man. And I think the value of this paper is that it um, really demonstrates not only that the methods are, uh, are very feasible, but actually um, it discovers a different perspective than we anticipated. We were expecting seed dispersal to actually be rather long distance by these very mobile bird species. And what we find is that despite the mobility of the dispersal vectors, seed dispersal is very limited. The most exciting thing is actually the the scale we covered. And the most exciting result is that we really find very limited seed dispersal despite the dispersal is still very abundant and highly mobile and known to fly over open areas. And the species is very robust to habitat disturbance. I've even seen it in Mysore, which is a two or three, which is a several million city. It is a very robust species, but still it doesn't, it doesn't disperse in our case the seed really effectively.
Yeah, so um, I think one of the most exciting things about the results from this paper is it changes our way of thinking about how trees are likely to respond to fragmentation and the potential to recover when they've been excavated from a forest patch. And I think this has real importance for the way we manage these landscapes and the implications in terms of restoration or the recovery of biodiversity, particular tree species um, within these landscapes. And so for me, really the most exciting thing is it might change the way people view how they manage and restore tropical forest landscapes where tree species have been removed. Particularly in the context of the molecular work, this paper, in, coupled with its sister paper, which was a paper published a couple of years ago on the pollen dispersal, really shows how we can manage the forest genetic resources in a species like this to enhance its restoration.